Philip Brooks, this is this comment that he made. He said, the true way to be humble is not to stoop until you are smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature. And that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. How about that? Don't try to stoop to be humble. Stand up straight and recognize when you're standing up straight that there's a lot of things and people that are taller than you. And those who have the wisdom to recognize when they're in the presence of greater things have wisdom. The definition of the word humble is one who is not proud or haughty or arrogant, but instead they are ranking low in hierarchy or on a scale. Now, this is going to be a strange statement when you hear about, you hear me give that definition, you say, why would anybody want to be ranking on uh, lower on a scale? Why would anybody uh, aspire to be lower on the totem pole than higher? It's because of this. God loves, hears, and answers people who are humble. God loves humble people. But before you start uh, saying to yourself, well, you know, that God loves weakness. No, you need to hang on and wait a minute and I'm going to get where we're going and I'm going to show you what this humility is all about. Jesus said in Luke 14, 11, those who honor themselves will be humbled. But people who humble themselves will be honored. Now, what did he mean by that? And you have to, you have to look at the, 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 the context in which he made this statement. This statement was part of a parable that Jesus was telling. He, he was telling a story. He was at the house of a prominent Pharisee, and he was observing people coming in for a dinner or a banquet that was being held in that place. He had been invited for whatever reason. And now he's sitting back somewhere in the corner. And he's watching people come in. He's observing their actions. And he sees, I believe, some of these folks were just clamoring to, to take the seats of honor. Because they wanted to sit in that place. There were, there were designated places in the banquet where that the honored people sat. And these people were just fighting to get to those seats so that they could be recognized as someone important. Aren't we strange that way? We want to be known. We want to be seen. Jesus saw this as a great teaching moment. He wanted to give them a glimpse of, of what it looked like in his father's kingdom. And so he told the story. If you go back to verse 8 in Luke 14, Jesus said, when someone invites you to a wedding... Don't take the place of honor. Maybe someone more important than you was invited. And then your host would say to you, give this person your place. And embarrassed, you would have to take the place of least honor. So when you're invited, take the place of least honor. And then when the host comes, he, he may say to you, friend, move to a more honorable place. And then all the other guests will see how you were honored. And it was at that point then that he stated the words of our text. Those who honor themselves will be humbled. But people who humble themselves will be honored. 
Now, here's what you need to understand about what a humble person is. This is a misconception that we have a lot of times. A humble person is not a person who is sheepish or timid or afraid of their own shadow or a, a person that that uh, is frightened in the face of adversity. Some of the most humble people on this planet are strong. They're, they're highly intelligent. They're very qualified. They're personable. They're, they're very confident. They're even passionate about their calling or their station in life. But what they've done is in spite of all of those qualifications, they have made a decision to prefer other people over themselves. Humble people are heroes. Humble people are the ones, you don't, you've never seen it this way. The humble people are the firemen that run into the fire to bring people out when everybody else is trying to get themselves out. The humble are the ones who prefer others over themselves, who prefer the safety of other people over themselves and say, I'm going to go and do this because it's the right thing. I'm going to protect someone else. I'm going to lay my life on the line for someone else. I believe it requires more strength and more confidence and more intelligence to truly be humble than it requires to be the opposite. And I'll put it this way. If somebody has to brag and they have to put other people down or bully other people in order to feel important, those people are not important. But who do we deem those that are the ones that are important? The ones that we know love us, the ones that we know care for us, the ones that we know respect us and we respect back, the ones that we would lay our life on the line for and they're laying their life on the line for us. This is what we mean when we talk about humility and humbleness is a person who has said, I have made a decision whether I had to or not. Maybe I had the money, maybe I had the, the, the power, maybe I had the position to put myself first, but I have chosen to put everybody else ahead of me. Not because it's false, not because I'm trying to show out, but I've decided to do that as a way of life because it's important to me. That's humility. Humble people make the best leaders. They make the best parents. They make the best employees. They consider other people's feelings in their decisions. They lead from a place of love, not power. Somebody say amen. Now hang on to your seat for a minute. I'm going to take a side note for just a second. And say, unfortunately, we don't have anybody like that running for president this year. I mean, we don't have anybody like that running for president, do we? And here we are. And it's election time. We have to go down to the polls. We have to go. We have to go. A lot of people are saying, well, we're not going to vote because there's no one that we feel good about voting for. So my vote's not going to count anyway. I'm just not going to go down there. I'm just going to let this, I'm going to let this thing happen however it happens because, because I don't see that we have a good choice. And I want to say something to you. And I'll be very careful about this and how I voice this. When you go to the polls this year, I want you to think outside the box of who you like or who you don't. This is not about voting for who you like or who you don't. The bottom line is that very few of the candidates that are running for any position would all of us like or dislike. 
Because everyone who is running for any type of office is a human being. And none of them are perfect. So what I want you to do instead of going down and voting for a person is I want you to think about this in a different way. I want you to go down there and vote for a platform, not a candidate. Hmm? How are we going to do that, Pastor? I didn't say vote Republican or Democrat. I said go down and vote for the person who's going to represent the platform that you can vote for in good conscience and be able to sleep at night afterward having done your civic duty as a Christian. Most people go to polls and they go there. The, very, the first thing on their mind is money. Who's going to make us the most money? Should be the last thing Christians worry about in an election. God takes care of our money. We don't go to an election to vote about money. This one's going to give us taxes. This one's going to increase our taxes. This one's going to do this or that. Well, first of all, none of them are going to do anything because no person has the power to do anything anyway except talk a lot of smack in a debate. When it gets right down to it, they got two houses of Congress are going to tell them what they're going to do. That's another reason why you need to go to the polls. You're deciding who's going to represent you. You're not voting for a dictator one way or another. This go around never were. You're, you're, you're not voting for a king or a queen. You're going down to vote for representatives that are going to represent you according to the word of God to the best of their ability and to the best of your knowledge, that's why you're electing those individuals. It's not about money. So what am I going to ask myself, Pastor? Be very careful when I say this, but I want you to understand. I speak from a position of the word of God. And I can merely say that our father is the only real God. And he denounced any other false gods that would require the lives of children as sacrifices. Our God does not require child sacrifice. I don't think we should vote for anybody that's for that. Our God tells us, though we love everyone... We don't hate anybody, but we love everybody and we want everybody to come to know Christ. But our God tells us that in the garden, he made Adam and Eve. And he created them to be husband and wife. And that they would become one flesh. And there was no way for two women to become one flesh or two men to become one flesh. So I think we need to keep that in mind when we go to the polls. Are we going to vote for people who are sexually confused to be able to dictate what happens in this country? And we're going to follow their leadership or are we going to lead? You say, what happens to those poor folks? We love them. That's never a question. There's never a question about that. 
they're every single person, regardless of whatever kind of decision they're making or what kind of sin is in their life, is welcome in this place. I want the word to be known. I want you to tell the world far and wide. We would love everybody, treat everyone with respect. We will love everyone that comes through these doors. But we're talking about what can we vote for. Pastor, what are you going to do about medical marijuana? Well, first of all, there is no such thing. Oh, you're wrong. THC. Okay, I'll give you that. And as soon as the Food and Drug Administration decides the best way to regulate THC in a pill form where that it can be administered to people over a counter, I'll say we should get behind that. But as long as you're going to grow your own and smoke it or eat it or put it in a brownie and give it to the children... I don't think I can vote for that. No other drugs do I get to produce myself and tell myself how to administer it. It's quiet in here today. But you've got to go down to the polls within the next three weeks. And I'll tell you something, folks. If the churches all across this nation don't rise up and vote according, not to our personal opinions, but vote according to the word of God. If we don't do that within 10 years, churches like ours may not exist in this country. Churches like you're sitting in right now that you like and love and enjoy, they may not be able to function the way they function. You say, oh, come on now, you're just, you're just trying to scare us. You're just trying to sell us something that's not true. I'm telling you, folks, little by little, Little by little, Christians are becoming extinct. Real Christians. There's a lot of people in this country that call themselves Christians, but they're so confused and they're so lost and they're so far away from what the Word of God says. I don't say that out of any anger. I just say that, I just say that as a matter of truth, that there's so many people, they don't have an idea about what it means to serve God and to be holy and righteous. I don't mean, I'm not trying to say we're above anybody else either. Please don't get me wrong when I, I'm not being arrogant or cocky or anything in that. I'm, I'm very humbly trying to say to you that our country's in a mess and the decisions that we make over the next three weeks could make that a lot worse. Supreme Court justices are a lifetime appointment. Ask yourself what those platforms are saying they're going to do about that. Who's going to be for what? And that's how you vote. So I'm going to tell you right now, wherever you live, you may go down. Truthfully, if you'll be open and honest and if you'll examine the candidates and you'll examine what they stand for, you may go and on that ticket, there may be names that you're signing for some Republican and some Democrat because there's some great ones of both. If you just go in straight one or the other, then you really don't have your mind open either, do you? I'm not vouching for anybody here. I'm saying that as believers and as Christians, we should vote for the party or the platform of the person that is closest to how we have to believe. 
Don't go down and vote about your money. Don't worry about your money. God's going to take care of your money. Keep in mind these things that really matter. If things don't change, someday pastors who dare to preach the truths of this word are going to be imprisoned for that. They're going to be fined and we're going to be criminalized. People like me, 10 years from now, if I say what I just said, which I will, I'll probably be in jail on Monday. So I go back to where I started and I say how I wish, in light of all that, how I wish now that we had a candidate who qualified under this description of humility. I would love to vote for someone who was humble. Wouldn't you? Are you a humble person? I want to point you to Daniel chapter 10. I want to spend a couple of minutes looking at this. Daniel chapter 10, verse 11 Daniel is sharing this experience that he had. And he said, the man, and the man who, who we're talking about here is a pre-incarnate Christ, is who it is. He said, the man said to me, Daniel, you are highly respected. Pay attention to my words. Stand up because I've been sent to you. And when he said that this, I stood up trembling and he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. God has heard everything that you said ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in front of your God so that you could learn to understand things. And I have come in response to your prayer. I want, to, I want to point out to you three things that will begin to happen in your life from the moment that you make a determination to humble yourself. They're found right here. The Lord said to Daniel, from the first day that you decided to humble yourself, number one, God has heard every prayer that you prayed and every word that you said. From the moment you decide to humble yourself, God then starts hearing all of your prayers. Anybody want that? I want God to hear my prayers. I need for God to hear my prayers. How effective can we be as a church if God is answering our prayers, that happens when we are humble people because he does amazing things through broken, contrite, humble people. Number two, he said, ever since the first day that you decided to humble yourself. God has heard your prayers and he has given you the ability to learn and understand the things of his kingdom or things about his word, his will, and his way. Ever since you decided to humble yourself, at that point, God said, okay, now I can entrust to you as a humble person, I can entrust to you perhaps hidden things that I haven't been able to show to other people. Because of humility, because I've seen a contrite and a broken spirit in you, I'm going to share things with you that I wouldn't share with other people. 
I'm going to show you things about myself. I'm going to show you things about my kingdom. I'm going to tell you things. I'm going to let you know how to understand my word. I'm going to let you see my will. I'm going to let you begin to operate in my ways. How effective is the church who can do those three things? Comes from being humble. The third thing he said was, he said, ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself, God's heard every prayer that you prayed. He gave you the ability to understand things that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And and here's the third one. And he showed up in response to your requests. He said, I'm here. I've shown up in response to your request. I have come in response to your prayer. Now, whether you're requesting strength or resources or direction or protection or whatever it is you need, Whatever it is that you need in order to keep on doing this work that you're doing for the Lord. The scripture said God would bring that to you in response to your prayer. Now that's very exciting to me. Because I kept saying over and over to myself this morning. I I was looking at this and I kept saying to myself, I want God to show up. I want God to show up. I want God to show up. I want him to show up at church, but I want him to show up right here in my office. I want him to show up in my life. I want him to show up at my house. I want God to show up everywhere I go and every every place I am, I want God to show up. Do you want God to show up? You want God to show up in your life? You want God to show up when you're down at the doctor? You want God to show up when it's time for you to get that job? Humble people are the ones God shows up for. Ever since the day you decided to humble yourself, God has heard every prayer you prayed, given you the ability to understand things about his kingdom, and he has shown up in response to your need. Now, in light of those results, how how powerful is a truly humble person? He's way more powerful than the one that's arrogant, that's exalting himself, isn't he? That's why he said there in verse 11, if you put, uh, put yourself above others, you're going to be put down. But if you humble yourself, you're going to be honored. So here's how this works. It's, it, it's, it's very strange how this works. So ironic. Listen to this. Appetite says, be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful and expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied and please yourself. Psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. Pride says be superior and promote yourself. Humanism says be capable and believe in yourself. God says be wise and humble yourself. See the difference? A young preacher approached Dr. F.B. Meyer one day and he said, Pastor, how can I one day become as influential and well-known as you are? Dr. Meyer responded by saying, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Humble people, they're not always looking for bigger and better. Humble people aren't always trying to pick the biggest piece of pie for themselves or the biggest piece of chicken. Humble people are the ones that are sitting back saying, there'll be some for me. There'll be whatever's left over, be fine with me. 
God takes care of humble people. If you put yourself above others, you'll be put down. But if you humble yourself, you'll be honored. So what should we do? I want us as believers to work to be as qualified as we can be. I think we ought to be the best employee wherever we work. We ought to work to be the very, we, we, we should try to excel. We should be the best at everything we can be the best at. I believe you should try to be, you say, well, that doesn't fit. You're saying for me to be the best. No, I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be the best. I'm just saying that when you get to be the best, don't be arrogant about it. But I think you should be excelling, being the best that you can be, being as qualified as you can be, excelling in your field, doing your best wherever God places you. But no matter how high that God takes you, remember to be humble. Because being humble is a choice. Notice something, and this is how we'll conclude. He said, ever since the day you decided to humble yourself. See, there's people on this planet that feel like God put them here to humble other people. But that's not scriptural. If you get humble, it'll be because you humbled yourself. People that are trying to humble you, what good does that do? Just makes you angry. Am I right? Say, well, God put so-and-so near to me. They help. They keep me humble. Well, how do they keep you humble? By tearing you down, by talking bad to you. That's a jacked up relationship right there. That, that's a whole other message that needs counseling. If somebody thinks that their job in life is to humble other people, that person needs to be humbled. Who thinks that? And probably will be. God didn't put you here to humble others. God didn't put you here to be humbled by others. God himself doesn't even humble you. God says, humble yourself. God makes this a matter of choice, just like he does salvation, just like he does receiving the baptism of the Spirit, just like he does receiving the the, the gifts of the Spirit. God says, this is going to be your choice. You can have have this if you want it. I'm not going to force humility on you. You'll have to choose it. So choose to humble yourself. And if you choose to humble yourself, God will honor you. Isn't that a cool, isn't that a really cool passage of scripture? From the minute that you decide to humble yourself, God's going to hear every prayer you pray. God's going to begin to open up things about his word, his will and way that you never understood before. God's going to show up when you got something going on. Because God is never far from the humble. Lord, what are you saying to us today? What are you saying to us today? We realize the state of our country, the unrest, the challenges that we face. Lord, we also recognize that arrogant and haughty people are not going to change the climate or the culture of this nation. But that we, if we choose to be humble, we will change this nation. Humble us, Lord, as we change, as we, as we pray to, as we choose to humble ourselves. Grant us the humility to 
think about others and to put others ahead of ourselves. Lord, if we would love others as we love ourselves, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have in our country. If we preferred others, if we served others, if we loved others, if we put others first, we would be in a position not just to lead, but in loving to make real change. That's what this is about today. I want to make a choice, God, to be a humble man. Not weak, not timid, but humble. I pray, God, that you would put it in our hearts now to make that same choice for ourselves. In Jesus' name.